0: to the book of John, Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, Um, if you don't, we've got an electronic Bible right here on the screen for you, and we're going to read through the story of Jesus' resurrection, after his resurrection, the book of John shares so much of what happened after his resurrection, and uh, we're going to start in in chapter 20, verse 1, we're going to look through verse 8, and it said this, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Now I just wanna pause here for a moment and explain to you who the other disciple is. The other disciple is actually the guy who's writing the book. This book is written by John. John is referring to himself kind of in a third person way. The other disciple is him. Now I want you to see the humor in scripture though because there's actually a whole lot of humor that's in scripture because I want you to see how he describes himself. He is the one Jesus loved. I don't know if any of y'all think that's funny, but when you write your own book and you describe yourself, you just go, hey, by the way, I'm Jesus' favorite. And any of y'all, you're like your grandma's favorite. Come on, raise your hand. If you're grandma's favorite, just raise your hand. It was my grandma's birthday this week. I signed the card, your favorite. There's a bunch of other grandkids. I just was reminding her that I am her favorite. And that's kind of what John's doing here in this moment. He's telling us, hey, just want all the disciples to know I'm his favorite, the one that he loved. Also, watch this, though. And they said they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So she's freaking out. She tells these two guys, so Peter and the other disciple start for the tomb. Both of them were running, and I love this, but the other disciple outran Peter. (laughs) He just wants y'all to know he is the fastest in track. He wins the game, all right? So, I mean, no, when when you get two guys together, it's always a competition, always a competition. And I love that it's actually in the Holy Scripture. The Holy Spirit was like, let's go ahead and pin that in there too, that he outran Peter. He reached the tomb first. Just want to let y'all know, if anybody was there, I was there first. He bent over and he looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. And so then Simon Peter came along behind him. Just want to let y'all know, if y'all were wondering, but he went straight into the tomb and he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. Now, just want to go ahead, every mama in here, that you have a hard time getting your kids to make their bed, this is your scripture, because if Jesus rose from the dead and made his bed, your kids can too, okay? (laughs) Okay. Just letting y'all know, this is your scripture right here. Jesus, Jesus neatly wrapped all of his linens. He left them there. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first. <laughs> y'all see how many times he's putting himself in there? He also finally went inside, and he saw, and he Believed. How many know Jesus is not dead? He is surely alive. Can we celebrate the fact that our God is risen? Risen indeed. It reminds me of a story of a, of a man that wanted to go to the Holy Land, wanted to go to Israel with his family, and he'd raised all this money to go, and he took his wife, his kids, and he decided to take his mother along with him just so she could help with the family. They're touring around the Holy Land, having this incredible time. And the mother-in-law dies at the Holy Land. She dies. And so they're at the funeral home there in, in, uh, in Israel, and so he's, he's talking to the funeral director, and he's like, we, w- what would it cost for us to send her back to the U.S.? Like, she's from the U.S., we want to go bury her in the U.S., and the funeral director said, it's going to be about $5,000 for us to send her back. And, he, and the funeral director said, but, but listen, I've, I've got a special now. If you actually bury her here in the Holy Land, it's 150 bucks.'" And so he said, okay, let me think about it for a moment. Didn't think long. Look back at the funeral director. He says, okay, I got a decision. He said, what do you want to do? He said, we're going to send her back to the U.S. He said, you're going to spend $5,000 to send her back when you could do it for $150 right here? He said, yeah, listen, the last time a man was buried here, he rose from the dead, and I can't take that chance. Come on, y'all. Can't take that chance. I mean, I need her to be dead, dead. Like, she can't, can't rise again. I mean, no, Jesus rising again was not like Weekend at Bernie's, okay? Like, he was really alive. He is really alive. And one of the proofs that Jesus was really alive was not just the fact that we see that it was death, there's burial, and resurrection, but that he appeared to people. And uh, I've never preached this message before where we talk about not only the fact that he is risen, but the fact that he appeared to people. There is a lot of theories out there that the resurrection was kind of a hoax, that whether the disciples stole the body or there's actually a, a theory called the hallucination theory that, that the people who saw him were hallucinating. Now listen, if there were like two or three that are hallucinating, okay, maybe they were on drugs. But, but I want you to see here what scripture says about this. Look what uh, the apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, everybody help me with these white, letters, white words here. Christ? Christ. Come on, let's say, you're 930. Let's go, Christ. There we go, for our sins, just as scripture had said, and he was, Jerry, and he was, praise, from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures had said. Now watch, he's going to add something here. And he was, seen. and he was seen. Now this is huge here, because if the resurrection's not true, you don't get this part. But he was seen by Peter, and then by the 12. Watch out, he continues and says this. And after that, he was, seen by more than 500. 500 people. Two people saw him. Yeah, maybe they were crazy and had some dreams and some hallucinations. 500 people saw him. They were 500 of his followers all at one time, and and most of them are still alive, although some have died. Then he was Seen. seen by James and later by all the apostles. And watch this. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. So even the apostle Paul, who was not there at the crucifixion, said even I've seen him. So I want you to understand that today, listen to me, Jesus is still appearing to people. He appeared to people in this day, but he is still appearing to people even today. Now, let's take a moment here, though. How awesome would it be for everybody to think you're dead and you come back to life? I love pulling pranks on people. This would be the ultimate prank. Everybody thinks you're dead. Just imagine for a moment, you buried your grandmother. You were at the graveside. You saw the graves, you know, the the casket go down. You go back to the house. You're eating all your your aunt's casseroles and everybody else's chicken. And then all of a sudden, grandma walked through the door. How many of y'all know that would be a moment? Now, here's the question that I want to ask. If you were Jesus, who would you go up here to first? Who would you appear to first? Think about it for a moment. Who would you appear to first? Now, I, I love to put myself in Scripture because I think it's, it's always fun to kind of put yourself in that moment and think through, like, what would, what would I do? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, the first person that I think Jesus should have showed up to, but actually, if you go read all of Scripture, he never even appeared to, as far as we know from Scripture, is Jesus never appeared to his mom. His mom was at the foot of the cross. She watched her baby get, get tortured, get crucified. She watched her baby get taken down from that, uh, that cross. She saw all of that. And yet, scripture tells us that he never went and saw his mom. How many of you know, boys? Listen, you better go see your mama. How many all you know when Mary got to heaven, she slapped Jesus? <laughs> Boy, you never showed up and came and told me anything. <laughs> Yet again, that's not true. I don't know if it happened or not. I'm just, I can only imagine that Mary maybe was a little mad. Like, I brought you into this world. I could have taken you out, but God took you out, but you left and you didn't show up. So Mary, he never showed up to Mary, never showed up to them, as far as we know. The second thing, though, is I would go show up, if I was Jesus, I would go show up to Pilate. If y'all know the story, Pilate is the one who actually um, was the guy that said, He's going to be crucified. He was the one that executed the judgment at the very end. Now, if you know anything about the story, let me help you. If you don't, if never read it, I'll help you here. Pilate's wife did not want Jesus to be tried. She actually went to her husband, like every good wife would do, and said, don't you do this. And like every good husband, he did not listen to his wife. And I think when he did not listen to her the first time, I think she said, that's strike one. Now, here's the deal. In the middle of the trial, go read this for yourself, it's in Matthew's account. In the middle of him trying Jesus, she slipped Pilate a note. It's in scripture, you can go read it yourself. We pass over it so quickly. She slipped him a note. Now, we don't know what was on that note. I'm gonna tell you what I think was on that note. Strike two. (laughs) Now, if I'm Jesus and I show up, I want to go see Pilate, and you know what I want to say? That's strike three. (laughs) That's strike three. But Jesus didn't go see Pilate. He didn't go see Mary. Let me tell you the other people that I would want to go see. I would want to go see the Jewish religious leaders. Because Pilate wasn't the only one who sent him to the cross. If it wasn't for those Jewish religious leaders, we wouldn't be in this issue. The Jewish religious leaders are the ones that got Judas to portray Jesus. They're the ones that falsely accused Jesus. I mean, they were going after Jesus because they were so threatened by him. Now, here's the funny part. The Jewish leaders are divided into two sects of people. There's the Pharisees, and then there were the Sadducees, okay? It'd be sad to be a part of the Sadducees, but that's who they were. The Sadducees had a theology that they did not believe in bodily resurrection. So if I was Jesus... They did not believe that anyone could ever be resurrected again. And if I was Jesus, I'd go find every Sadducee, and I would go, boom. <laughs> boom. I'm here. Like, what do you do? What do you do? But Jesus never showed up to any of those. Never showed up to the kings, to the Pilate, to Pharisees and religious leaders. He never showed up to Mary, his own mother, Today, I want us to actually look at some of the people he did show up to. Now, you're like, Pastor Josh, he showed up to 500 people. I know, we'll be here till four, but just stick with me, okay? (laughs) I want to show you three people. Three people that Jesus showed up to. Very kind of unlikely people, and I think we can all relate to every single one of them. And the very first person that he ever showed up to was a woman. Uh, We just read a little bit about her. Her name was Mary. And I want us to read in John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 11, and it says this Now, Mary stood outside the tomb, and what is she doing? Crying. She's crying. You just read a little bit of the story just a minute ago. She thought Jesus literally had been captured. She thought someone had come in and stolen the body of Jesus. So she's just deeply in stress, and she's weeping. And she's been over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, and she was seated where Jesus' body had been. One was at the head, and the other one was at the foot of Jesus. Now, look at this next verse. It says this. <clears throat> they asked her, woman, wh- why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they put him. And at this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And I want to dedicate this first person to those in this room that are hurting. If you're taking notes, I want you to just write that down. The hurting. There's three types of people I think each one of these people represent. And the first one is the hurting. And I want to talk to those who are in this room and maybe you're online and you're just in a place where you're hurting. You're going through some pain. You're going through some hardship right now. And here we are. Mary is in this moment. Mary had been delivered from not only one demon, seven demons. The Bible says that she... Was that if if any of y'all has anybody seen the chosen? Has anybody seen the chosen? They they do an incredible depiction of of this. Now we don't know if that's really how it happened, but just an incredible depiction of Mary Magdalene and, and her encounter with Jesus. So so you can imagine how near and dear Jesus is to her heart of what he saved her from, delivered her from. And here it is, um, he's gone, and she is so broken. She's so hurting. Because this is the, the, the God that she loves. And I, and I know with a room that is filled with this many people, those that are in here, there's many of you in here. Listen, we put on our good old Easter outfit, but on the inside, you're hurting. You can say all the right things and look the right part, but if we're honest, you're, you're, you're really struggling. Now, whether that may be because of a death or a, a diagnosis or debt or a divorce, or maybe there's just something even going on inside of you internally, but there's just this, this brokenness and there's this pain that you're walking through and you don't really know how to process it. And oftentimes we can think that our pain pushes Jesus away. Hey, listen to me, your pain draws Jesus to you. If you don't believe me, look, look what it says in Psalms 34, verse 18, it says this. Everybody help me here. It says, the Lord is, can we put that scripture up? The Lord is close. Do we have that scripture There we go. Thank you. The Lord is close. close. To the who? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is close. He's close to you. Now, whether you know it or not, I, I think all of us come to this place in our life where when you are you feel crushed, you feel pressure you feel like there's so many problems on you that we can also often ask ourselves this question, God, where are you? God, where are you? And I just want you to know he's closer to you than you realize. And here she was weeping and mourning and what she failed to realize is as soon as she turned around, there's Jesus. And I wonder how oftentimes we miss Jesus because we're not looking for him. So I want you to to write this in your notes. Jesus isn't far away from you as you think, so you need to look for him. He's not as far away as you, as you think he is. Whatever pain you're walking through, just realize Jesus is closer to you than you can even imagine in this moment. And, and How many of you have walked through some pain in your life and maybe it was to the point where you didn't know if you were gonna make it and now you're a little bit uh, 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 moved away from it, you're on the other side of it and you look back and at that time you didn't think God was with you but now that you look back, you realize God was closer to you than you could even imagine. And so for those in here that are in a breaking point right now where you feel like you're going through so much pain in your life, I need you to hear the words that are coming out of my mouth. Jesus loves you. Jesus is with you. Jesus is for you. Jesus is close to you. He's there. And we get this from the story of the garden when he comes and he rises again. The second person that I want us to look at that Jesus appears to is one that we actually, I think, relate to more than we want to claim. And that is a man by the name of Thomas. We all know him as what? Doubting. Doubting Thomas. Now listen, I feel bad for the brother. The brother had one moment where he doubted and all of a sudden that name got attached to him for his entire life. Now listen, there is nobody else in scripture that had one bad moment and that got named to them the rest of You didn't get like mumbling Moses. You don't get that. You didn't get petrified Peter. You didn't get that. David killed someone, and he got man after God's own heart. Like, what is up? If I'm Thomas, I'm having a moment with God when I get up to heaven going, what is up with this? Why do I get labeled by the one moment where I just asked a question? And yet we see this, we see that, that God goes after the doubting. That's number two, the doubting. Are those who are struggling with, with unbelief. Look with me in chapter 20 again in verse 24. It says this, now Thomas... One of the 12, watch this, yet again, I find humor in all of Scripture, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. I mean, no, that's a bad time to go for a grocery run. They, he literally comes back, and they're all like, you won't believe it. And he's like, tell me, what happened? Jesus showed up. Don't you be lying to me. No, I'm telling you, Jesus was here. Think about it. The one moment Jesus decides to show up, and you, like, you went to the bathroom, Like, we don't know where Thomas was. All we know, he wasn't there. And so they said, we've seen the Lord. And he says to them, and yet here we go, here's his moment that he gets now labeled for, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and I put my hands into his side, I will not believe. And and Thomas gets such a rap for that. But let's all be honest in this room. You've had that moment yourself where you thought life was gonna go a certain way and it didn't. And you're questioning God. I've been there. You thought, your relationships were going to go this way. You thought your, your job and your future was going to go this way. You thought your finances were going to go this way. You, got, you you had all this stuff lined out, and then a child dies, or spouse divorces, or relationship ends, or something happens in your life. And this is what happens to Thomas, because Thomas is totally full in on Jesus Don't for a minute minute, think that Thomas like didn't love Jesus and that's why he's down. Thomas actually believed so much in Jesus that he thought Jesus was gonna come, overthrow the Roman Empire, and then he was going to free them from all this suffering from Roman oppression and it was gonna be this glorious day and yet he sat there and he watched his savior, his Messiah, he'd given three years of his life to, have the weakest moment of his life and die. And all of his plans of how he thought it was gonna go just diminished And so here he is in a moment, he's like, I don't believe any of this. Listen, unless I see Jesus myself, like, y'all must have been hallucinating. There's no way that could happen. And I think we can all be there in our own lives where things have not happened the way that you thought they would happen, and you ask the question, why, God? Where are you, God? What's going on? But I've got good news today. Jesus isn't turned off by your doubts. If anything, your doubts, yet again, draw him to you. So if you're in a place here and you're like, I really don't know about this Christianity stuff, I really don't even know a lot about this Jesus stuff, man, I'm just here because it's Easter and someone invited me or I'm just here because I'm just really curious, welcome. I'm so glad you're here because Jesus would have came to you too. Jesus loved Thomas so much. Think about this, Jesus came back again because he wanted to meet with them. Look, look, just a couple verses down. In verse 26, the next, next verse, it says this. So a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with him. Come on, Thomas, finally there. Okay, I think after that, Thomas was like, I ain't leaving, I ain't leaving. Y'all can go get Chick-fil-A. I ain't leaving, I'm staying right here. I ain't going nowhere. And so finally a week later, I love this. Yet again, humor in scripture, right? The doors were locked. Just take note of this, because there's details in Scripture that we can oftentimes overlook. The doors were locked, and Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace, be still. (laughs) Do y'all not see the humor in that moment? Jesus did not use the door to walk in. He just walked in, and he was like, peace, guys. And they were like, what? (laughs) I don't know about y'all. I need to go change my pants. Um, I need some peace. Jesus walks into the house, didn't knock, didn't open the door, just showed up and said, here I am. And I want you to see where he directs his conversation because this is so huge here. Because he came once, Thomas wasn't there. So when he comes back the second time, guess who he goes after? Thomas, of course. So it says in the next, in the next verse, then he said to Thomas, hey, listen, Thomas. Put your finger here. Now, here's the question. Was Jesus there when Thomas had said this to the disciples? No. Because he showed up. Jesus was gone. And so he was just sharing this with the disciples. But, but I love this. Watch this. Because how I many you know God knows everything? He don't need to be in the room. Like, he knows what your thoughts are. He knows. We see this all throughout scripture. Jesus was always reading people's thoughts. And here he comes to, to, to Thomas. He says, hey, look, see my hands? Yeah, put your finger there. What's these two words right here? Reach out. Reach out. We're going to come to this in just a minute. Let's reach out your hand. Hey, look, look. Hey, you want to see this? Put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Now, let me ask this question of all of us. Is Jesus the healer? Yes or no? Yes, yes he is. Can Jesus raise the dead? Yes, he did it multiple times. Can Jesus heal? Yes, yes like fully heal. He, 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 he had arms grow back. He had blind eyes that were open. I mean, Jesus did some absolutely amazing, miraculous miracles. So when Jesus was resurrected, here's the question. Why does he still have the scars? <laughs> have you thought about that? Like he could have resurrected fully, like good, like fully... But yet he tells Thomas, hey, look at my hands. Oh, you don't believe that? You don't believe it's really me? Hey, look at my side. And, and it's almost as if Jesus left those there for Thomas. <laughs> and I wonder, I wonder if there are things that God's doing and speaking to because it's a word directly for you. Like, God has a, t- it's, it's wild here. We'll have, we probably have 400 people in this service. And out of this whole service, God is individually talking to every one of you. Individually. It's wild how God does this. There's 12 guys there. Jesus knows there's one that's doubting. And Jesus goes after him. So every person that's in this room that is in a place of unbelief and you're doubting and you got a lot of questions. Hey, listen to me. He's coming for you. And I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't come with him with a bunch of answers. Jesus didn't answer any questions. Oh, you, you wonder if it's me? Okay, let me tell you what happened. See, okay, so I went to the cross. You saw me on the, yeah, you saw me on the cross. Okay, yeah, yeah, that was pretty painful. That was, that was really bad. That was a bad moment for me. And then I went and they put me in that tomb. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, and then I woke up and then I was in the tomb and it was like really dark and I was like, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden I was like, move that stone. And the stone moved over and then I walked out of the stone and I saw Mary and then Mary was like, hey, Jesus, what's up? And then I was like, none of that happens. Jesus does not explain anything that happens. You know what he just explains, what he does? He gives her a revelation, not an explanation. Hey, let me just show you who I am. Hey, I want you to hear me today. You might not get all your answers, your questions answered. But when you meet Jesus, you don't really care. Because I pray, this is how I've been praying this weekend, is that you would do what Psalm says. David wrote this and he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I know we taste a lot of the world. But I pray today in this short time that you're here at our Savior's church that today you would just taste and see how good God is. Say, well, Pastor Josh, life is so bitter. Yeah, it is, but Jesus is so sweet. Life is bitter. It's painful. It's hard. It's a lot of questions that I have. Yet he comes to them and he gives them this thing. And I I want you to see the only thing that he asked Thomas to do, go back to that. The only thing that he asked them to do is to reach out. He says, you need to stop doubting and you need to believe, but it's gonna start by reaching out. And if you notice Jesus, Jesus is always reaching out. The question is, are we reaching back? Jesus has been reaching out to you for a long time. The question is, are we reaching, are we reaching back out to him? That's what he's asking of us. So now you can put the next one. Jesus isn't bothered by your doubts, so reach out for him. He's not bothered by your questions. I mean, no, we got a God big enough for your questions. He's fine with that. I don't know why this happened. I don't know why this went down. And I don't know where were you in this. That's okay. Bring all of that to him. He's perfectly fine with all that. Bring that to him. I know when our son got diagnosed with a life-threatening disease, I had a ton of questions. Still have a ton of questions. And not all of them have been answered. And honestly, probably most of them won't be. But I... I trust who God is, not just what He does. I trust in who He is, and if He's withholding an answer from me, it's for my good. And maybe, in, maybe in heaven we'll get the answers, but I think when we get to heaven, we won't care about the answers. So, number three is this: is the failing. We saw a woman who was hurting and grieving. We saw a man who was doubting. And now we, I want to look at a person who was failing. This is a story of Peter. If you know the story of Peter, he, man, he had a really bad weekend. Because um, on Thursday night at the Last Supper, um, you know, Jesus was telling them all of these things. And, and Peter looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, listen, I just want you to know I love you. And watch this. He says, and I love you more than everybody else. Kind of like John, like a little cocky. I love you more than all of these jokers here. I got you. And Jesus looks at Peter and he's like, oh, Pete, you're going to find out real quickly that you don't love me as much as you think you do. There's going to come a moment where you're going to deny me. <laughs> Never. Yeah, actually, you're going to deny me three times. Oh, there's no way. I'm telling you, Jesus, I love you more than all these guys. Okay, I'm just letting you know it's going to happen. And as you know the story, it does happen. He denies Jesus three times, and if you, actually, if you actually look at Scripture, the last time he denied Jesus, it was actually right beside Jesus. Think about that moment, where Jesus just looks at him, and I don't. I, I think Jesus had just great compassion. Like I told you, and so when Jesus rises again, he's so consumed with Mary. He is so focused on Thomas, but watch this scripture. Look at this. This next scripture says, but the angel said to them, don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. This is great news. See the place where they laid him. But watch this. But go and tell his disciples and Peter. No other disciple gets called out. None except Peter. Peter. Go tell all the disciples, hey, can you just make sure, though, tell Peter. Why do you think that he was so concerned with Peter? And I'm going to tell you why I believe that's the case. Because yet again, all of us have been in this moment in our lives where you have failed. You have miserably failed. And you know what comes with failure? Shame. Shame and guilt. And Jesus, the moment he rises again, he makes sure that the angels say, Hey, make sure all the disciples know, but dear God, make sure you find Peter. Because I know shame is gonna want to kick him out. It's gonna wanna get because how many know when you fail, you this is what we all say. I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm done with this. I can't tell you how many people have quit following Jesus because of their failure. Listen, your failure is the reason you need Jesus. It's the reason you and I need Jesus to come. And watch this, your failures don't push Jesus away, they draw him to you. Cuz he knows you need him. That's why he went to the cross is the greatest demonstration of Jesus going. You're all screw-ups. You're all failures. You're all sinners. So because of that, I'm paying this because I know you can't pay for it. So I'm just going to go ahead and let the cross demonstrate to the world that you are broken people in need of a Savior. So the next person, someone looks at you and go, bro, you're broken. You need to go, yes, I know, but because of Jesus, I'm no longer. Because of what he's done on the cross, he's forgiven me. He's healed me. He's helped me. You think your failures drive Jesus away, they actually attract Jesus to you because Jesus after this moment with the angels telling them, Jesus finally does go and track down Peter, and they have a moment. They have this moment. It's a one-on-one moment where he has this moment with Peter, and look at the question that he asked them. Throw that scripture for me. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, everybody help me with this. Do you love, do you me. love me? Now watch, he adds on more than these. I mean, that's kind of like a, ugh, because that was the thing that Peter had said at the Last Supper, I love you all more than these guys. And so Jesus is sitting down now after the failure, and he says, Peter, do you, hey, you love me, right? <laughs> do you love me more than these? This word love right here is, uh, is, has four different Greek words for it, and I want to show you these. Storge love, storge love is a, is a familial love. It's, a, it's the love that you have for your children. It's the love that a family has for one another. It's that storge love. Then you have eros love. Eros love is physical love. It's where you get the word erotic. It's, it's this thing that you have a deep love for something or someone. It's a physical type of love. Then there's phileo love. This is brotherly love or friendly love. It's where you get the word Philadelphia, which is the city Of brotherly love. But watch this. The last one is agape, which is unconditional love. This is that no matter what conditions are going, no matter what is happening, there's a deep love, sacrificial love. Now, when Jesus asked Simon Peter the question, hey, Peter, do you love me? He said, do you agape me? Do you unconditional love me more than all these? He's getting to something here. Because Peter When he told him he would love him at the Last Supper, he says, I love you more than all these. He had used this word agape. I love you unconditionally. Now, what's happened in between that moment and this moment on the beach is Peter's had a failure. Let me tell you what happens when you have failures. When you have failures, you think you can't get back again. You think that's it. You think that it's over. It's what the enemy always comes and feeds us with because now there's disappointment you feel like that you've disappointed too, too much to really love like you used to love. And so watch how Peter responds. He says this, yes, Lord. He said, you know that I phileo you. That's not the question that Jesus asked. Jesus asked, do you agape me? And he came back with, yeah, I love you like a brother. Because when you've had failure, you don't think, I don't think I could probably ever get back up to that. Now, here's the beauty of how Jesus does it. Because think about this. Jesus, after he said that, he, he didn't go, that's not what I said. You know what he says? Well, good. Then get back to work. Feed my lambs. How many are you glad that your past doesn't have to define you, that God can still use you no matter what you've done? Anybody glad for that in here? I know I'm incredibly glad for that. And this is what he's telling Simon in this. And so he asks him a third question. He says, hey, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And Simon answers him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Okay, we're still missing it here. No, 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 that's not what I asked. But yet in the middle of that, he says, no, no, but hey, just just take care of my sheep. Just take care of my sheep. And so he asks a third time. Now watch the question Jesus asks the third time. He said, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? Jesus changed it. Started with agape. And the last time, the third time, he dropped it to Fileo. And this is what this tells me. Jesus will meet you wherever you're at. <laughs> wherever you feel like you are with God right now, like, I feel like I'm so far from God. Here's the beauty. God will come find you. I feel like I can only love God this much. You know what God says? Good, then give me that. Because we've bought into a lie that we can only really love God if I can love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. That's what it really means to love God. Yes, does God desire that of us? Absolutely. But here's here's what I want you to know to take the pressure off. God knows you're going to have a hard time with that. God knows you're in a world where, where this world tells you to love yourself. God knows that. And so you come today, you're like, I, 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 I maybe have this much. And God goes, okay, that's fine. We'll start there. We'll start there. And this beautiful story of Jesus searching for you. How many you know Jesus has been searching for you? He is searching for you, and he's still searching for you. But this isn't just a story after the resurrection. Watch this. This is a story that started in the very beginning. The very first story of Scripture after creation is the fall of humanity, which is Adam and Eve's sin, disobedience to God. Sin entered into the world. Watch what happens when sin entered the world. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3, and we're wrapping up today. It says this, then the eyes of both of them, of Adam and Eve, were both open because they realized they had disobeyed God. They did what he told them not to do. And when they did that, they realized that they were naked. So in their response to their nakedness, they had always been naked. What had entered that wasn't there before? Shame. Because when you and I miss the mark, that's what comes, shame. And when shame comes, they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then on top of that, think about this, they're trying to cover their shame now. You would think, okay, well, that's it. If I'm God, I'm like, I only got two people. Let's just wipe them out start over. But Jesus in his love and grace and mercy was like, you know what, no, I'm gonna come pursue them. And so watch what happens in the next verse. It says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid This is what I used to do When I was in trouble with my parents Any of your kids do that? We hide Another thing that they did Is they blamed each other I mean that's another thing that we do When we mess up We blame other people We don't take ownership for it So they tried to fake it They tried to hide it They tried to blame it And yet Jesus still pursued them. And he asked them this one question. He called to the man, where are you? And that same question that God asked Adam thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago is the same question that God is asking right now in 2023 in this room and to those that are online. Where? Are you? Let me help you understand something about God. Whenever he asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. I mean, you know, when God says, where are you, it's not because he doesn't know where you are. He's the worst person to play hide and seek with. He always knows where you're at. Why does he ask the question? Because he wants to know, do you know where you are? Because in order for Adam to be found out, he had to come out of hiding God, I'm, I'm over here. What are y'all doing? Well, we were we we were naked. You've always been naked. I know, but we just shame. That's what sin does. It brings shame and it brings guilt. And yet Jesus was pursuing in Genesis, Jesus was pursuing them when he showed up on the earth, when he came as a virgin through Mary, he was searching for them when he resurrected. And now watch, the last book of the Bible, Revelations, how this all ends, it's our future. It's what we have to look forward to. It says in Revelations chapter three, verse 20, I stand at the door, and what do I do? What is he doing? Come on. These are are one of Jesus's last words he ever wrote in scripture. I stand at the door and i'm just knocking notice this time he didn't just walk in the house he could have he did it in the disciples but this time he's standing at the door and he's and he's knocking and it says if you if you hear my voice and you open that door i'm going to come in and we're going to share a meal together as friends Let me close with this. All of religions are about you searching God. Christianity is the only religion where God comes searching for you. I want you to hear me. Listen to me. This is is the simple gospel message of Easter. Is that you don't have to go searching for him. He loves you so much he comes searching for you. You can run, but you can't hide. He's coming for you, and he's knocking on your door. Hey, make sure you go tell the disciples and Peter, and you can put your name in there, and John, and Susie, and Lily, and put your name in there. And he's asking, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? God, I'm too far. God, I'm too much. God, I'm hurting too much. God, I'm doubting. God, I have failures. If you only knew my failures, he already knows, and he's still asking where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? I'm here. Just open the door. Just open the door. And if you'll open that up, you'll receive me. How I mean, know. listen, Christianity is not something that you earn. It's something you receive. Hey, listen to me, it's not something you earn. You can't go to church enough, you can't give enough, you can't serve enough, you can't help people enough. There's so many people who believe in a 51% gospel, which means this, if I do 51% better than my bad, Jesus lets me in. But here, listen to me, how cruel of it of God, if you could earn your way into heaven, how cruel is it that he makes Jesus go to a cross for something that you could earn? He makes Jesus go to the cross because he knows there ain't no way you are fixing all of your sins without Jesus. Jesus is your substitute. Jesus is your Savior. And Jesus has done everything that you need to be right with God. It does not depend on you. It depends fully on him. And how many are grateful he did all the work already? Anybody grateful he's done all the work? He's done all the work. So you just receive it. You believe it. And you say, God, I believe that everything you've done for me. Because here's how you know you're stuck in religion. When you fail, you run from God. You run from church. You run from people. But here's how you know you understand the gospel. When you fail, you run to your daddy, not from him. You run to him. say, God, I failed. I don't know what to do. God says, I know. That's why I went to the cross. Because I knew you couldn't make it on your own. So I want you to do this today. I want you to grab this card. Grab this card one more time. Come on, we're coming to a close. Everybody grab this just real quick, if you don't mind. And I want to show you how easy this is because all of us in this place are in a a place where God is, is calling us. So I want you to write this. If you're going to write this one last thing in your notes, and that is that Jesus has not given up on you. So give your life to him. Give your life to him. My prayer leading up to Easter, all as we've been preparing for this, is that there would be those of you that are in here that are hurting, that are doubting, that are feel like in a failure, that you feel like, man, God, he's done with me. If so you just know he loves you, he's here for you, he's pursuing you, he's searching you. And so here's a moment. This is a holy moment right here. I want you, I want you to hear me. This is a holy moment for those that are online. There will be a link for this as well. You can do it along with us. But those that are in this room, pull this card out, and, and you're going to see right at the bottom, there's a, there's a, B, C, and D. And the thing is that all of us in this room are one of these. Everybody in this room is one of these. And I want to show you what these are, and, and then we're going to respond appropriately. A is I'm, I'm already in a relationship with Jesus. As those of you that are in here... Uh, you've already given your life to him. You've surrendered your life to him. He is your Lord. He is your Savior. You've committed your life fully devoted to him. If that's you, then that's, I want you to check off that box. That's, that's A. But I know there's a number of you that are in here, that if you're honest, you're B. Is that, man, I, I really need to begin a relationship with him. Listen, I didn't say Religion. Going to church doesn't make you saved just as much as going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. This is is a huge, huge moment for you to come into a place of, listen, salvation is not a prayer. Salvation is a lifestyle of surrender to God every single day. And so today can be the moment, can be the start of that. And if you're here and, and, and you want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, that he comes in and he rules your life, the Bible says he will wash you clean. He'll give you a new start. And I want you to check off B. I want to know who that is. And then there's those of you in here that you're C. You're like, man, I just I need to consider it. Pastor Josh, I, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. But, man, I, just, I, I really need some time just to kind of think about this. I don't want to just make quick decisions. And I appreciate you saying that. I'm so grateful for you. If that's you, I prayed that our church would be filled with so many people that are C's. In D's, or you here and you say, "Man, I, I really don't even ever intend on making that decision." And if that's you, let us know. I'd love to know that. You say, "Well, if I put that down, man, y'all going to like call me and chase me and all this?" No, we're not. What I am going to do though is I am going to pray for you because I know this: God will chase you. He's going to chase you. I don't have to. I'm so passionate about people populating heaven. And I want that to be for you today. So if that's you in this place, I, I want you to write those down. I want to end today, and I want us to pray for those. If you're here in this room and B's your decision, and you know that, I need to begin this. I want you to do this. Would just everybody, everybody bow your heads just in this place and in this moment. Would you, can we just right here in this moment, will, will, will you just join me? Would you just say this after me? Say, dear Lord Jesus. Come on, we all say this together. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. And I believe that you faced hell for me so that I wouldn't have to go. I believe that you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Come on, I say this today. I turn from my sins to be born again. God be my father. Jesus be my savior. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.